The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. To come through Christ to you, knowing you, in relationship with you, children to the almighty God, able to call you our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name and astonishing be your gracious, merciful love. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to come. Thank you for making us away. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for promising to do still more. And in that vein, we ask you, Lord, would you do still more now? We come to you asking you to draw near right now to us here in this room and to any who may hear this elsewise, elsewhere. Draw near and open up this passage before us and overwhelm us with amazing grace, with astonishing love, with a hope, with rest. You speak now through this passage. You've given it to us in, in words on a page. Will you now give it to us by your spirit in our hearts? Drive it in deep and produce something different in each of us and produce something different in our church congregation as a whole. You invite us to come and we actually in turn invite you to come and, and speak and teach and guide us. Make your word clear this morning, we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. The Bible is very realistic in its assessment of life here in this world. While there is certainly beauty all around us, the world is broken and fallen in sin, which means that stuff doesn't work. Civilizations are our relationships, our own bodies are broken. They don't work properly. And, and then if you add on top of that all the, the effects of directly committed sin, ours and that of others, and if you add on top of that the, the unique affliction that Christians encounter because of Jesus, in some ways Christians have it worse than anybody because of that, but everybody pile it all on, everybody is well aware that life here often is at least challenging and usually a slog. Ten wonderful things can happen and then one awful thing comes along and it trumps it all. That's the human existence, we, we know it. There's much tribulation here. And that's what brings us to our passage today at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Not because Jesus is teaching about all that, but because he's teaching about his answer to all of that. There's, there's a solution that he offers to the wearisome burdens of life, the natural ones and the sinful ones, and even especially the religious ones. So we're thinking about for a second. The religious burdens of life that so many people find when they try to deal with all the rest of life, all the troubles and all the hardships by becoming like really devout, really religious. Trying to live right, to live worthy, 
So as to make life work and, and to gain from God. If, if, if I live worthy, then I will gain from him his blessings and, and get on his good side. And that itself is burdensome. And Jesus offers something far better. Something that brings real rest. Jesus enables us to know God. Not, not something new this morning. We, we heard that last week, actually. That's where we ended, and if you recall, if you were here last week, verses 25 to 27 were about that very thing. Jesus revealing to us God. He's giving thanks in the previous verses that God has chosen to work this way, that God has chosen to make himself known to, to people who otherwise don't know who he is, don't know him. And where we ended last week is that he has chosen to make that happen, to work through the ministry of his Son, as Jesus chooses to reveal him. Not to the arrogant, not to those sitting in judgment over God and evaluating whether or not we approve of his ways, but to those who are humble, poor in spirit like little children. Coming to him saying, two little arms held up, help. That's where we ended last week. And that leads directly to this week's passage as Jesus now issues a universal invitation. Right along those lines. A universal invitation to anyone who wants to, to anyone who wants to come. It'll take a heart like a little child. So not everybody will. But the offer is wide open. Hear it this morning and respond. You find rest for your souls. So we're going to look at this morning, verses 28 to 30. Let me read them, and then I'll make two observations from it. I think these are some of the sweetest verses in the Bible. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. End of Matthew 11. Two observations from those verses. Here's the first. Jesus invites everyone everyone into surrendered service to him, finding that he gives rest. Jesus invites everyone into surrendered service to him. And what you find when you get there is that he gives rest. Verse 28, Jesus issues this wide open offer, come to me all you who are, as follows, it's very important to notice that, given where we just were last week in verses 25 to 27, saw there two mentions of God's choosing. And sometimes that can be confusing for people. As we, as we hear talk of that, and then we kind of get wrapped up in our minds trying to imagine how all of that works with God choosing in his hidden plan. And it is there in the passage, it's there in many places in the Bible, to tell us that God does have a plan. That God is in charge, he's sovereign over all this, that he, he is doing something, he's carrying it out. 
But then, in a very helpful way, our verse 28 moves on from that, talking about what God is doing, to what we have to do in response. And this is really good news, because if you don't understand everything, or even anything, about Jesus' choosing, that's okay. You don't have to. All you have to understand is Jesus' calling, right here in this verse. Come to me. Come. If you're in the following group. Only if you're in the following group. Those who are laboring and heavy laden. That's the group. And that's meant to be everybody. That's meant to be all people on earth are being invited here. If this is you, and it's meant to be you, he invites you to come to him, this group. So what is this group? Those who labor. That is not like our English word of work. He's not saying those who work. It means a little bit differently. And if you're reading the NIV, you might see a, a better translation there, an indoor English way of putting things. You who are weary. You who struggle. It's labor in that sense. You who are spent. Jesus means all you who are wearied, who are worn out, having been heavy laden. That's how the two words are working together here in this sentence. Everybody who's wearied because they've been heavy laden, they've been loaded down with a heavy burden. It's the same word as down in verse 30. Have been piled upon, you struggle. Wearily. Which can come from a whole host of things. He doesn't specify, he doesn't like narrow it down and qualify it in any way. So all the ordinary challenges of life, here in this fallen world, work is hard and confusing. We get hurt, we get attacked, we get betrayed. Drought happens, flooding happens. Our bodies decay, we, we make mistakes, we run out of resources, we lose family and friends. All of that. And then sometimes we actually do things wrong. We sin or are sinned against and all of that. Whatever, whatever it is that brings trouble to us and leaves us especially alienated from God, whatever it is, worth pausing there and putting yourself into this. Don't, don't let this become something about somebody else. Put yourself into that. What is it for you? What causes you to be wearied? What, what do you labor under here in this world? The burdens we carry, all of them moment by moment and year by year, Jesus has them front and center in view here. They vary for every one of us. They vary across time. They vary, they vary across our lives. They kind of tend to increase, I think, as we get a little bit older. We labor under, we, we press on through a life that is in many ways wearying, carrying a load. As you sit in that and face it, do so, don't, not, there, there's hope coming here, but, but do so realistically because the hope the offer will seem all the sweeter when you realize, I'm in a pickle here. Yeah. Where are you? What, what do you labor under? What's wearying to you? What's got you beat? Okay. And now go one step further. 
Because Jesus' listeners would have heard this one step further. That's wide open. There's no qualification on that. So, so we should sit in that for a second and just think about life in all of its hardships. And then the one step further that Jesus' listeners would have heard that we don't hear because we're not in their culture, most of them, certainly all the Jewish ones, would have been familiar with Jewish teachers who encouraged people, commanded people, to take onto themselves various yokes. Two common ones, take onto yourself the yoke of wisdom, take onto yourself the yoke of God's law. Taught, pressed into the society, into the Jewish world. They would have known that language and they would have heard it echoed in what Jesus is saying. And eventually, Jesus is going to say in chapter 23, verse 4, he hasn't said this yet, of course, but in 23, verse 4, he's going to criticize the teachers of the law for tying up heavy burdens, hard to bear, laying them on people's shoulders. That's coming up. He hasn't said that yet directly, but he has been very critical of the teachers of the law so far already. How they teach. God's word, God's law is very good, but very often it was, and still today is, often, it was taught as if it was a detailed list of things with all sorts of assorted extensions and applications, a collections of burdens for us to do or not to do, to make ourselves right with God and earn his blessings. And if it's done just right, if you, if you hold your mouth just so and you do it consistently and you do it in ways that we all can see and approve of, it, that will be what is, what is going to fix the alienation between you and God. And that's what's going to be going to get you into his, into his good side and will release unto you all of his blessings. And when a person, and understand, I'm talking about, first, what they would have heard. But this is the world that a bunch of us live in right here in this valley. When a person grows up in that kind of a world, living in the falling world and wearied by it and worn out by it, and then along comes someone else that adds on top of that a religious program of performance and saying, if you do this, then that'll fix all this. That's one more brick or collection of bricks piled on top of all the other troubles. It's the worst kind of burden. Executed by me in my strength in order to gain God's blessing it is the last straw. It's the last brick that can crush. And certainly the scribes and the Pharisees taught the law that way. This is what you do to, to gain God's blessing and stand in his favor. And the religious culture that's all around us here, right where we live, and everywhere the religion is found, in fact, religious culture is always like this. A system of performance that you gain from God is favor and gain from God is forgiveness after you have done all you can do. It's crushing. Here's the problems that you face, and the answer is to do more. Crushing. So some people say, well, I'm just going to hope for the best and, and particularly set aside all that religious garbage. And some people say, oh, this is my only hope. 
I, I can't handle all this, I need the help of God. And I guess through all this religious, religiosity, this performance of, this obedience of, this action of, I guess that's the way. And so they labor on and labor on and labor on, crushed and heavily burdened and weighed down. And if that's you, Jesus says, come to me, not to that. Don't walk away and don't go to that. Come to me, all you who are weary because you've been burdened down and piled on and loaded up. Come to me. Don't go to them, don't go to their teaching. Me, I will give you rest. This is water in the desert attractive to the person who is like shouldering the load. I'll give you rest, he says. Which 29 makes clear is not just take a load off, have a seat, get some sleep. Rest of soul. The deepest possible of all rests, shalom, wholeness and peace in here. Relief that is whole and consistent, not just, I, I just checked out, I ignore it, but I look straight at it and I totally understand it and I breathe a sigh of relief in the middle of it all. Rest, relief that feels like hope and peace and the end of fearful striving, a contentment that says, I know that it will be okay. This is the ground of joy, in fact, not when all the stuff goes away, but in the middle of all the stuff, enabled to sit down at a table and feast in the presence of your enemies. This is what God gives in Jesus. It is rest. Promised in the Old Testament again and again and again, and now come in Jesus personally himself. Come to me. I'll give it to you. How's he going to do that? Well, keep reading. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke. I just mentioned the yoke of the law and the yoke of wisdom, so let's be, be certain that we understand that a, a yoke was a piece of wood across the shoulders. And a, a human yoke, would you've probably seen pictures, would be something across the shoulders and usually like two massive buckets on dangling on either end, steadied by the hands, but the weights carried across the shoulders. On animals, it would be a piece of wood across the shoulders that would, that would link up a team, and they'd be fastened to a plow or something like that. They could pull it. So this gives rise, and it, it, the yoke imagery is all over the Bible, and it gives rise to things like the idea of husband and wife being yoked together as a team in marriage. Maybe you've heard from this passage even the idea of being yoked with Jesus, you know, kind of join in a team with him personally to walk with him through life. I've heard that. I've, I've even taught that, and there's some truth in that in, in the general imagery of walking in union with Jesus. So I don't want to dismiss that at all. But when you look at these verses in their context and think of them as they would have landed on people hearing about the yoke of the Pharisees or the yoke of the scribes or the yoke of the law or the yoke of wisdom, other people offering other yokes, the point here is a little bit different than just being teamed up with Jesus. It's about coming under someone's control, influence, power, instruction, guidance. 
Taking a yoke on, or conversely, putting a yoke on someone was about bringing them under control and making them to follow. A farmer puts a yoke on animals and makes them work for him. A master puts a yoke on a slave. A king conquers a country. This language is pretty common. A king conquers a country and says, I put you under my yoke to make you serve me. Being put under or or coming under a yoke is about coming under authority to be led by and guided by and controlled by. So a king talks about my yoke, teaches the law, talk about the yoke of the law. In that context, Jesus is inviting people to come, not to the scribes, not to the Pharisees, not to other teachers, not even to the law of God itself independently, good as that is. Come to me and take my yoke. Learn from me, come under my authority, come under my guidance, come under my leadership. I'll teach you God's word, I'll teach you God's ways, I'll lead you where you should go. I'll be your master. I'll rule you, I'll command you, And what you'll find is you'll find this kind of leadership, this kind of lordship to be really, really different than any other yoke you've ever known. Come to me. You've worn other yokes throughout all of your life and they have worn you out. Come to me and find this one brings life. I'll teach you, I'll reveal to you the truth I'll reveal to you God the Father himself. That's right, that's the context right here. I won't just tell you the things you're supposed to do, I'm gonna show you the one for whom you were made. Put yourself under me and under my authority and I'll teach you and you learn from me and you'll find that my yoke is easy and the burden is light. Not because he he pulls off of us requirements. If you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually said that his disciples and the kingdom itself is characterized by a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. He doesn't eliminate righteousness. He actually ups the ante because he talks about a righteousness that is in the heart, not just in the stuff you do, a righteousness that is in here. that has values and attitudes and affections that are righteous. The righteous requirements of God are still there. God is still holy, he still calls us to be holy. This is a light burden because as a Christian, you've got a really different way of carrying it. The whole thing's different. At the bottom level, this is what Jesus is offering in in his message of salvation, in, in his gospel. I I can't help but think of, because we don't live with yokes. We live, especially here in this place, we live with backpacks. And if you've ever had a backpack that fits you perfectly, that is the perfect frame, that has great padding, a perfect belt, and you strap it on and you say, wow, I don't even feel like I'm carrying anything. Because the harness, the frame is perfect. Load it up but you can't carry that with a single strap strung over your shoulder. It'll cut your skin and tear into you and break your back. 
You can carry a load if you've got the right frame. You can carry a load if you've got the right yoke. Jesus is, he doesn't, he doesn't remove all the stuff of life. He doesn't, he doesn't remove the call to walk in righteousness. He just makes it totally different. Totally different. This is what he's offering at the bottom level. It's what he's offering in his message of salvation. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to make you different. I don't tell you to love. I make you a lover. I don't tell you to, to walk in obedience to, to God. I make you like him in nature and character. I change everything. It's all different. This is the good news that at the cross, he took onto himself our sin burden and removed, as he died, removed the alienation. So we are again brought back into connection with God the Father through the Son's cross. And then as Jesus rises again from the dead, he rises again new and to empower us to walk in newness of life. And we are new creations in Christ. If you're a Christian, a whole new operating system has been downloaded and you have the spirit of God living inside of you and he's making you, not all at once, but like a baby grows up, he's making you different day by day and year by year, on and on and on. You have a new mind, a new heart, a new view on life, a new power to obey, a new sense of forgiveness, and a new certain hope that all of this, everything that's going on right now, all of it is light and momentary by comparison to what he's storing up for you in heaven. By comparison to the inheritance that's coming here, and everything you lose here is, is ah, who cares? He, he changes all of that in you. When he makes you new, All of that come upon you. It changes how you are, how you walk. It changes how you see everything. So yeah, there are burdens, but they are light and momentary. Yes, there is, there is trouble still in this world for sure. But you take heart because the Christ who lives in you has overcome all the world. It's so different. Right in the exact same spot the same and totally different that's what Jesus offers in the gospel and its work as it makes you as you come under his yoke and he leads you and you begin to walk with him he's making you he made you and he's making you different all through life And all of that, really, you could boil it all down to you. It's because you are now connected to God. The Father has been revealed to you. Not stuff about him, him. You know God. And that changes everything. If you're not a Christian, there obviously is, is an offer and an appeal here in this and an invitation in this. And, and some of this might not make sense in a, an earthly way. Like, so I, I think I know a lot of stuff about God. Exactly. I think I know a lot of stuff about God. You might. You might know everything there is to know about God. But something here that is perhaps hard to understand, that's very different than knowing God. 
And that's what Jesus offers. Relationship with the Lord of heaven and earth. That changes you. That's his offer. Come and find in me relationship with God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. And it, that will relieve you. It'll be the life that's free from anxiety. It'll be the life that, that's free from having to perform. It's the life that's free, not, not from responsibility, but from over-responsibility. The idea that if it's meant to be, it's up to me. That's not true. God is it's not the case that it's up to you. Thank God. Not, that's not, not a recipe for irresponsibility. It's, it's the blessing of a surrendered child with a father. Thank goodness. Everybody, everybody's grown up with a parent who loves them and cares for them. Thank goodness that there's a parent who knows more than I do because I'm 10 and I can't handle this. Yeah. There's rest in that. Mom and dad go struggle with the problems of life and the 10-year-old goes into the den and plays. Rest. God says rest because I'm God. I reign. And you know me, you're mine. There's a marvelous offer here. Come to me and find this relationship with me. Come to me and find rest because I'll connect you to God the Father. And you'll know him and walk with him and live forever now and into forever in shalom. Come. Obviously, he's speaking that to people who need to hear the invitation and need to come perhaps for the first time. Come, trust Jesus. Come with a heart like a little child. Help. But a lot of us here, probably most of us who will hear this, you're already a Christian, and this is not just for other people. This is for you, too. Have you ever, sometime late in the evening, picked up your cell phone you've been looking at, it and you realize you know, the, the number up in the corner flashes red? Oh, I'm at 15% battery. Huh. Wow, okay. So as you go to bed, you plug it in, you put the phone down, and you come back in this morning, and you pick it up, and you, whoa, I'm at 6% battery. What happened? What's happened sometimes? That ever happened to you? What's happened? You look at it, and you, you shake it, and the cord falls out the bottom. Ah, click. I stuck it in there, but didn't go. It was in the hole. It looked like it, it looked like it looked like it was connected when I put it down on the counter. But it wasn't actually connected. Power wasn't flowing. It's a phone. That's a charger. It's plugged into the wall. But it wasn't all the way click seated there. So there wasn't any power and the phone's not charged and it won't do anything today. Christian, you're here in the room. And I'm not talking about, are you a Christian? I'm assuming you are a Christian. You're here in the room. Maybe you also came yesterday to the Christmas extravaganza and you're going to go to a small group later this week and you look like you're plugged in. Are you connected today? Connected today? I'm not saying that you've never been connected or you're not usually connected, but something happens. Why we lose power, or if you drop the analogy, where weariness creeps into your life, you should be saying, am I not charged? Am I not connected? 
right now. Because connected to this one brings rest amidst the burden, amidst the troubles, amidst the trials. Are you connected? Just ask yourself, are you connected? I don't mean, have you read your Bible recently? I mean, have you read your Bible and met God in it recently? I don't mean, have you sat in a prayer meeting? Have you prayed? Not because those are the things you do to... But because that's where God says, I draw near to make myself available to commune with you. Come, 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 come. Come meet me in this word. Come meet me as you sit quietly and pray. Come meet me as you commune with other Christians and do those things. Come meet me. Don't just look like you came. Come. Just check that. I find that reality in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I probably often look like I'm connected. But I'm not always connected. Sometimes by sinful, willful choice, sometimes by just not attending to it very closely, I thought, but I didn't actually get the... That's my life. I know it's yours too. Just check. Connected today, connected today, connected today, every day. Come to me, he says. I'll give you rest. Come. He promises a, a way to carry the burden, a yoke that is easy and therefore makes the burden light. That right there is strong incentive to come. But there's a second one in the passage that we should consider. Um, if it's possible, it's, I think, more amazing than the first one. The nature of this master, this Lord, is the second invitation. So Jesus invites everyone into his service, finding that he gives you rest because the yoke is easy. And secondly, Jesus invites everyone into his service, finding that he is gentle and lowly. He is gentle and lowly. This language is probably pretty familiar to a number of us, not just because you know the verse, it's a familiar verse, but also perhaps because you read the recent book by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly, which is an excellent book. I cannot highly enough recommend that book. A bunch of us have read it, though, because we had a whole case of them donated to the church, and so in the last year and a half or so, 50-some of those books got distributed here, so I know a lot of people at least looked at it on their shelf consistently hopefully read it, and if it's there on your shelf and you didn't read it, it's a delight. The book goes, and obviously it takes its title from, from this verse, but it goes a lot of different places, but it always, all throughout, the emphasis remains on the astonishing truth that Jesus is pressing home here in verse 29 as he describes himself. You will find rest, Jesus says, yoked up with me and surrendered service to me. Those are, those are, those kinds of words, because how that service is so different and because of how I, the master, am so different. What I'm like, you will find that I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's what I am. So you can be sure you'll find rest from me. As Ortland points out in the book, this is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus talks about what his heart is like makes it really kind of unique. 
Only place he says what his heart is like. And this is not describing his feelings, understand? This is describing his being, his nature. Biblically speaking, the heart is the, is the core of a person's self. And so what Jesus is getting at here in this only this very unique place is he's telling us, at my core, this is what I'm like. At my core. This becomes special important. And, and come to me and here's what you'll find. If you come to me with heart like a child dependence, not, not wincing, not cowering as you face the servitude and expect the pain, and a bounce on over here like a child. And what you'll find when you get here is that at my core I am gentle and lowly. That is, he is humble and meek and unassuming and unpretentious. These words, humble and lowly, gentle, meek, they are all words that describe someone who has not let success or status get to his or her head. Doesn't stand upon the right to be regarded as something. And it's fitting for people to be kind of like that, to not, to not get all on their high horse, but that's pretty, I've used this word a few times, I think it's astonishing that Jesus would say this, that Jesus would be this, especially because of what we just saw about him in verses 25 to 27. God the Son, we call this from last week, the second person of the one triune God, through whom all things were made, and who just told us in verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. The Father has said everything, all that there is, whatever there is, all that there is, all things, all rights, all privileges, all responsibilities, all authority, everything, as a, Jesus, here you go, it's yours. He's the king. In whatever way you could possibly say that, in those big capital letters you could write that, King. Mighty in power and full of authority, ruler and judge of all, who becomes in front of us. Picture the best, the best father you've ever seen with a little child who becomes like the, the best of all human dads, wanting to invite little kids to come. He is personable and approachable and welcoming and kind and gracious. He gets down on his knees and with a soft voice says, hey, hey, hey. for the little ones, even lies on the floor to be at their height because they can't sit up yet. Their heads are on the carpet, and so his is too. And you look at this guy and you say, like, you're like president of this corporation, or you're, and you're acting like a little kid. Exactly. Why? Because I want to connect with a little kid. And she can't lift her head off the floor, so I won't either. I'm not going to stand on my rights. I'm not going to stand on my... I want to lie down next to her and say, come, come here, come here, come here. Humble and lowly. That's what you will find astonishingly Almighty God the Son to be like with you. (sighs) 
If we wrote this, nobody would believe it because it's crazy talk. Every other religion in the world makes Almighty God to be or some wise esoteric weirdo. The God who is, the real God, says, I'm gentle and lowly in my heart, my core, what you'll find me to be. And Jesus says, this is actually me revealing the Father to you. Not just with my words, with my demeanor. Because God the Father is also astonishingly gentle and lowly. Come to Jesus and find Rest from the weariness of life. And you can bet you will because what you find when you come to him is not somebody who stands up and commands, but someone who lies down and talks in some condescending baby talk way. Come, find me. Come here, come here, come here, you. Now, am I saying that this is not also the one who said the gate is narrow and the path is wide that leads to destruction. Nope, same one. He's also honest. Humble and gentle and lowly and honest because that's the truth also. But he says those honest things because he is a God of love who wants people to not go the wide way that leads to destruction. That's there whether he says so or not, and people are headed there whether he says so or not, but he warns us so that we don't go that way, but instead come to him and find rest. That's what he wants. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, none whatsoever, and invites everybody, come. This is an invitation. It is a precious reality. It is hard to believe because ever since the garden, the evil one has been trying to convince us that that is not who God is. And something in our own fallen hearts doubts. We tend to, even in our own fallen hearts, we look, we look at God out of the side of our eye, kind of measured and careful. That's what fallenness has done to us. And we are very susceptible to the one who comes along and whispers in our ear, he's just out to get you. That gentle and lowly business, that's not true. The light yoke, that's the introductory rate. It'll soar up to something you can't handle once he's got you locked in. Don't, 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 do not go there. Don't go there. Something in our heart is suspicious of that and something in us is susceptible to the lie, to the deception. That he really is out to enslave us. And when he puts a yoke on you, he's gonna get you. Well, can you tell? How can you tell? Which is true? How can you tell? You can tell. You, you can tell. This is the beauty. This is the beauty of the Christian faith, of, of the truth. The beauty of the truth is that we are not left to debate concepts. Indeed, we have concepts spoken. Written in a book here, Jesus, one of the ways you can tell is that Jesus has said so. Uh, this is who I am, this is what I'll give you, come. 
and he cannot lie. And we can also then say, how can I tell though? How can I be sure? Well, how did he use his authority and his power when he walked the earth? Indiscriminately compassionate. Clear about what evil is, but gracious and merciful and inclined to heal and inclined to love, careful with people. He looked upon them as sheep, harassed and helpless and wanted, wanted them to come and find a good shepherd. You can tell in that way too. But ultimately you can tell, this should clear it all up. The historical fact, the tomb was empty. Not a theory of fact. The cross and the empty tomb tells us, proves to us, he's willing to die that we might live. He's willing to do everything needed to heal our souls, to take onto himself our burden and carry it all the way to the cross and let it crush him, and then to rise again to give new life, to give communion to us. That happened in history. That's how you can tell. He's out to get you. Oh, he is out to get you. He's out to get you to make you a citizen of shalom. It's a lie that coming to him will be the end of your life. Coming to him is the beginning. Come. Come like a little child. Come with two arms held up. Help. And you'll find not, not just that he reaches down to grab you, but you'll find that he gets on the floor to lie with you first and then grabs you and stands up with you. You'll find him gentle and lowly and mighty to save you if you come. I'll give you rest for your souls in this life and in the one to come forever. Jesus is good and he's God. Both. Come to him if you're weary and heavy laden and he'll give you rest. This is the beauty of the truth. This is the gospel. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you've sent a son to us, God the Son, this one. You didn't just send us a teacher or a prophet to tell us what to do. You sent him to save us and mature us and grow us up and bring us to you. Thank you. Will you work now with with all of us here, whether we need to connect to you for the first time or be sure we reconnect today. Whichever it is, Lord, do your work here. Build your people. Honor the Son. Do us all such great good as is your purpose. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.